Radio MD. RadioMD.com. Hear it from the doctor with expert guests from the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's Healthy Children. Now, our favorite mom, Melanie Cole, MS. Welcome to Healthy Children. From the American Academy of Pediatrics and Radio MD, I'm Melanie Cole. And, you know, we've done a lot of shows and we've talked about COVID and parents. And now we're going to talk about testing because I find that many people are confused about the type of tests, the rapid tests, the one that takes like a week, the antibody test, and what they all mean. What do they show? And importantly as well, what do they not show? Joining me today is Dr. Yolanda Reed Chasiakos. She's a clinical assistant professor of pediatrics at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA, and she's the director and medical chief of staff at the Klotz Student Health Center at California State University in Northridge. Dr. Chasiakos, I'm so glad to have you on. You're always such a great guest. Tell us a little bit about the current testing situation in the country. What are we seeing? And just tell us about all the different tests available. I'd be very happy to do that. Thank you for having me. You know, it's still all experimental. We've made the comment that the COVID pandemic, which is a horrible thing, is like we're scientists, researchers, doctors, we're all building the plane as we're flying it. We're all trying to learn as we are are making our way through this pandemic. We don't have a textbook that we can turn to to understand what we need to do, how to diagnose COVID, how to go ahead and do the appropriate testing, how to provide the definitive treatment. So in that case, we're learning as we go. What we know so far is that the FDA has approved experimental authorization for a number of tests, and there's generally three different types of tests. Families and individuals ask, what are these tests and should I get them and when should I get them and what do they mean? The first type of test, which is the one that probably has the greatest accuracy, is what we call the molecular test, the PCR test. What this test does, this is uh, a sample is collected from the nose uh, or the or the mouth. Sometimes this sample is collected deep into the nose to the very, very back of the throat. That's called nasopharyngeal. Sometimes it's just collected from the tip of the nose or from the inside of the mouth. This swab then is processed and the test tries to locate genetic material. That's RNA, genetic material is considered RNA or DNA and identifies uh, whether there's genetic material that indicates that the SARS-CoV-2 virus is present. That's probably our most effective test right now, but it isn't recommended routinely for everyone. Where it's most useful is for people who are having symptoms of COVID-19, such as fever, cough, respiratory symptoms, uh, sometimes diarrhea, sore throat, or runny nose. So these are the, this testing is what you would do for someone who has symptoms of COVID-19, and you want to go ahead and see if it, you can confirm that it is COVID-19. 
it has a very good record for positive tests. In other words, if you have COVID symptoms and the test comes back positive, it's a pretty trustworthy result. Sometimes there are false positives, but it has a pretty good positive testing result. However, where this test is not as strong is with a negative test result. It is very possible COVID has a long incubation period, often as much as 14 days. Sometimes people can become symptomatic early in the period, but it may take a few days before tests will become positive. So someone who's very early in the COVID um, development process or someone who's been exposed to someone with COVID and wants to know if they are infected, they may get the test, but it may show up negative. And 30%, up to 30% of those, even after several days and into symptoms can be false negatives. In other words, it is COVID, but it doesn't show up on the test. So the test is not perfect, but it is the best one we have and the one that's recommended for people who have COVID symptoms, who might be hospitalized or have complications and a confirmation is critical to be able to direct both clinical care and various different types of therapies that are being tested at this point. And it is also recommended for people who are close contacts of individuals with confirmed COVID-19. And by close contacts, we mean folks who have been closer than six feet to someone with confirmed COVID for longer than 15 minutes. In those two cases, we do recommend what we call the PCR test or the molecular test. And this can even be done from home with a self-collection sample that is then mailed to a laboratory with a doctor's order. So that's the first test. The second test is, uh, you may have heard about, it's being used, uh, it's a rapid test and it actually looks for protein material that's on the virus. It's called an antigen test. And this is the one that you may have seen uh, is being collected at airports. Uh, you, can, it can, you can collect saliva samples and the saliva samples will then be processed to see if there's any antigen, any protein that identifies the virus. Again, if this test is positive and someone has clinical symptoms such as a fever, uh, there's pretty good correlation that that's a good positive. For negative tests, again, a large number of false negatives with that. But it is being used, especially at airports and other places, for broad surveillance screening. In other words, if we want to find out what's the the amount of transmission in a community. Let's say you're in an airport, you're gonna be on an airplane, we wanna see if there's anyone who might come back positive in that situation. Or um, if you're in an academic setting or a long-term care facility or a hospital, surveillance testing can sometimes be very valuable in that case. Then there are tests that actually look at antibodies. And this is in the long run, this is what we hope will give us the best information, but we're not there yet. Antibody testing looks at your body's response to an infection and whether you produce antibodies to that particular infective agent. And generally there are two spikes 
of antibodies that we look at. One is called immunoglobulin M, which usually signals a acute infection, and then immunoglobulin G, which is what we call the long-term immunity. It's an immunoglobulin that gives us the long-term immunity. For example, if you get a measles, mumps, rubella shot, uh, then a few weeks after that you can be tested and your body will show that there are antibodies to uh, IgG antibodies to measles, mumps, and rubella. If you have a measles infection, when you're actually sick, you'll have IgM antibodies that your body is producing. And then as you get better, IgG antibodies, and then you're immune. That keeps you protected from getting measles again. Unfortunately, we don't see that long-term immunity yet with COVID. What we are seeing is that even people with confirmed COVID by the PCR testing that we talked about for the genetic material, even people with confirmed COVID lose their antibodies after a period of time. As many as 40% of people who were confirmed positive but had only mild or asymptomatic um, conditions with COVID, uh, basically mild symptoms or were asymptomatic, they will have, after several months, they will have few or no antibodies. And that's even true for folks with more serious symptoms. Um, as many as 15% of those people will not have antibodies after several months. This can be worrisome for doctors and researchers who are trying to develop vaccines because a vaccine, we want to go ahead and be able to provide it and then create an immunity in one's body that will last for an extended period of time, at least for a season like we have with a flu shot, so that you can be protected and your children, your family can be protected. So at this point, we don't see long-term, we don't have a clue about long-term immunity. There is one hopeful note we have found in the past that sometimes people don't show immune responses on uh, immune testing, which is done by a blood sample. Um, it's called serology. Uh, but if they are faced with that infectious agent again, they do mount a resistance. The immune system does kick into gear. So we don't know if we're going to be seeing that with COVID or not. Now, folks have asked us, should we be doing broad-based testing? And the answer at this point is it depends on your jurisdiction and the density of the facilities where folks are. For young people in schools or colleges, many schools and colleges are considering broader based what they call surveillance testing as well as screening testing. This isn't recommended by the CDC for a variety of reasons. There are shortages of tests and reagents and it becomes a very labor-intensive issue. It's much better to just go ahead and screen folks on the basis of symptoms and have folks self-monitor for symptoms at home, like a fever or some of the other symptoms we've talked about, and if they're sick, to stay home and contact their pediatrician rather than coming to school. Uh, however, some institutions have gotten grants to do surveillance testing on a broader scale. And this surveillance testing is very effective in determining what the community is 
doing with regards to transmission. For example, one university may test an entire dormitory of students and may find that there are several people who are COVID positive in that in that community and therefore can take measures to isolate them and quarantine those that they've been exposed to or in some cases in some universities go ahead and send folks home. Uh, some universities are even doing testing by looking at wastewater. They're isolating wastewater from cohorted groups, whether it's a building in a dorm or a fraternity house or a sorority house. And then the wastewater can be tested for uh, signs of the COVID-19 virus. And then if it's identified, then everyone in that cohort is individually tested. But it's not recommended routinely, especially in lower density environments. Uh, the CDC and many local county uh, and state health departments feel that the screening that we do at home, monitoring our symptoms and our family symptoms, staying home when we're sick and contacting our pediatrician, and then taking precautions in the workplace or school, um, keeping six foot physical distancing, frequent hand washing and wearing face coverings are more effective in the long run. Wow. Dr. Chasiakos, you are just such an incredible guest. That was so informative. I was literally hanging on every word, and it was such important information that we're not getting everywhere. That was really good quality information. As you wrap up, give us your last best piece of advice, because you have so many of them. If families are wondering, parents are wondering if they had to have one of these tests, or they want to get their kids one of these tests, the antibody test, or the PCR, or what they'd like to do as far as even if they're asymptomatic, or they don't know if they are, because I guess that's the biggest question, is none of us know if our younger people are asymptomatic. What would you tell us about the availability of these tests, getting one, choosing which one, how do we decide? Well, I would say this, if someone has been asymptomatic, they're in an area of relatively low COVID transmission and they have not had a contact with someone who is COVID-19 positive, I would just recommend continuing to self-monitor for symptoms and not to get testing. If one wanted to get testing, the PCR test, the molecular genetic test with a nasal or oral swab is probably the most helpful and accurate. However, there's a proviso there. Sometimes it takes the results a few days to come back and that may not be clinically helpful. And even if the results come back, let's say the next day, someone could walk out of the doctor's office and go to a party or go to a social event or not keep up with the recommendations for distancing and could be exposed and infected an hour after the test. So the test could come back negative, but the person could be infected and may not develop symptoms and could spread it to others. So I, I certainly understand why folks want to get tested. It can be reassuring, but recognize that it only tells you an answer about the point of testing, that it has false negatives, which means that somebody might be infected and the test just didn't pick up um, the infection well, or it might mean that they have a risk of getting infected afterwards. As far as antibody testing, those are more um, um, 
at this point research-based, as is the, the wastewater testing, and the antigen testing, which is the rapid test, is more used for surveillance in high traffic areas or high density areas and is better for a broader population. It needs to be followed up in many cases by a significant uh, number of uh, individual tests for those who are close contacts to ensure that they are not infected as well. So if one was going to be tested, I would say to go ahead and get the PCR test. You can talk to your pediatrician about whether that's worthwhile for you and your family members. But again, remember that the best advice is to maintain the prevention measures that the CDC and your local state and county health departments are recommending because those have been proven effective in reducing the spread. We've seen great drops in the numbers of people infected and the severity of the infection with these preventive measures that have been introduced. What great information. Really some of the best information that we put out. And parents, that's why we're putting it out. These are the experts from the American Academy of Pediatrics. They are the gold standard, the ones that are helping us to raise our children and raise them safely. And they answer so many questions with us right here on this podcast, Healthy Children on RadioMD.com. Dr. Reed Chasiakos, thank you so much for joining us today. Just really such great information. You are just a great, great guest. And remember to share this show. Please share this show with your friends and family on social media because that way we're all learning together. And this is these are questions I get all the time, listeners, and I can't answer them like she did, and that's why she's the expert. So please share these shows. You can listen on Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, everywhere podcasts are played, but we want you to listen at RadioMD.com. This is Melanie Cole for Healthy Children, the American Academy of Pediatrics, and RadioMD. Stay well.